0: This episode is brought to you by Upcase. Now that you've mastered the basics, Upcase makes it easy for you to take the next step. Not a bootcamp or a MOOC, we're a finishing school. We'll show you how the best developers around tackle coding challenges, what their backgrounds are, and how they got to where they are. Stick with us, and soon you'll be taking the junior out of your title. Learn more at upcase.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Crossroads, and today I am joined by Sid in the New York offices of Thoughtbot. Maybe you could do a little bit of an intro and tell us a bit about what you do here.
1: Sure, yeah. So, my name's Sid. I've been with Thoughtbot, I don't know, for a couple of years. I'm a developer here. I've worked on both the web and mobile teams, doing iOS and a lot of web development.
0: Perfect, perfect. And have you always wanted to be in development?
1: No. I thought I was going to be an academic for a very long time. In fact, just a few years ago, I was in graduate school then left for various reasons. And programming was a skill I kind of had. So, and it's something I liked to do when I was young. So.
0: Okay. And you mentioned that it was a skill that you kind of had. Was it a byproduct of the course that you were studying, or was it a byproduct of
1: concerted effort over time? It was. So yeah, when I was like young, maybe like twelve years old or something, I started programming in this like really there was a irc client called mirc
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it had like its own embedded scripting language so i like would program in that to make my you know client special and this was to play like magic the gathering online and then yeah I, I learned like a little php and Perl and just like kept programming a bit basically stopped in midway through high school And then didn't touch it for many, many years until I had to write some software to do math. I wrote, like, Mathematica and Python and that kind of thing. But I never learned, like, you know, professional development, really. It was always just personal stuff.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm going to sort of dig deeper into two of those things. One of them is that you mention this hobbyist approach to learning how to code. A lot of the questions that we get from people who consider themselves to be junior developers or want to get into programming as a career are hobbyists and they're absolutely terrified or really anxious about purporting or presenting themselves as developers mm-hmm. because they don't have the professional background that many people do. And I, I wonder what made you feel as though you were able to to harness all of that experience mm-hmm. that you got from your hobby and turn it into something that you could present as a legitimate career?
1: I guess I wasn't sure. So when I left graduate school, you know, it was a time when a lot of coding schools were getting very popular. And so I did one. But for me, it was really just learning the domain, like the web domain. Like the actual programming and like thinking programmatically is something I was comfortable with. But I didn't know anything, you know, about modern web development or anything like that. So I think those two things combined made me feel pretty confident because, you know, in my code school, plenty of people had never written a line of code before, or even seen a terminal or anything. But I already had all that kind of settled. And so I could really focus on just learning, you know, what you need to actually build something in a professional environment.
0: So if you were encountering someone who's a junior developer and has only been in the hobbyist space, and I don't say only in a derogatory way, but I mean sort of there's a delineation between the hobbyist and the professional space at times. So what would you say they ought to be doing? They ought to be learning about web frameworks. They ought to be engaging in understanding the structure of the Internet. What would you say they need to be doing?
1: Yeah, certainly, like, if your goal is to get a job, you know, as quickly as possible sort of then a great way is to learn modern relevant frameworks because planning companies will hire you know just for that specific skill set and once your foot is in the door you know you're basically getting paid to learn at that point once you have a job and so it, it becomes much much easier so you know like my coding school only prepared me so well but I started working at a place where I was pair programming all the time 100 percent of the time with developers who'd been doing professional work much longer than me So I was able to learn extremely quickly. Like That was a godsend, being able to do that. So I think if you want a job, learn relevant stuff and go to a place where there are people who know more than you and work with them.
0: The other thing you mentioned is this gap between high school and grad school Mm -hmm. and how you weren't programming for quite some time in between the two. Maybe you could tell me a little bit more about what you studied and how this part of your career took a backseat as you focused on academia.
1: So, I studied in mathematics, very very abstract mathematics. It was all, you know, basically irrelevant to anything in the real world. <laughs> and you know, I enjoyed it because of that. You know, I didn't have to worry about anything. I could just like focus on this like little logical world. So, it's sort of related to programming. I mean, like you, you know, have to carefully think through problems. A lot of academia is like that, even humanities. I don't really think is particular to technical fields. And so because I did math for so long and because it was always difficult for me, I was, I think, less intimidated jumping into, you know, like professional programming where I didn't really have any like resume experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I felt like, you know, academia prepares you to be a professional learner. And I felt like I'd gotten that much out of it.
0: You mentioned games. And I know a lot of the people who we've been speaking to who are both embedded in the technology industry but also trying to enter it, are really fascinated with games as a point of entry and as a point of sustaining interest. Mm -hmm. How important do you think it is to connect the dots of observations that you have, whether it's in the gaming communities that you're a part of or whether it's in the client work that you're doing? Do you ever feel as though you're doing some some actual like, hey, this was a user experience that I've seen in the gaming environment that I'm in, This client has this very specific problem. How do you transmit observations that you see outside of the office into the
1: work that you do? I honestly think it's sort of subconscious. Like, I I can't remember the last time I had a very direct thought like that Mm. about like some like specific interaction I'd had. You know, I feel like my mind just sort of like melds all this stuff into like a weird amalgam that I draw from without even really knowing it. It becomes Um, instinct, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. But, like, you know, having done now web and mobile development for many years, I think other products are what contribute to that intuition and not Mm -hmm. so much stuff outside of work for me.
0: That's so interesting. Because you've come from this very self directed hobbyist environment whereby you are responsible and accountable for your own learning, and then you've moved into academia, which is also quite enclaved at times, Mm -hmm. and now you're in a company in an environment where you're consulting and dealing with clients, but also dealing with a company which is sort of known for being quite open and collaborative. How do you change your mindset when you're entering into those different spaces? Mm -hmm. Because it's really different to like, it's a really different experience. It's a really different way of being.
1: Yeah, certainly between academia and the professional world is, is quite different. Academia was a little more isolated you know, when you're working on something specific, even in your grad school cohort, there may not be people who know about the specific thing you're working on, and so you might not have someone to talk to about it. But that's not the case anymore. Even if I'm not working on the exact thing as my coworkers, like it's all so close to each other that it's easy to to talk to them. And I, I honestly felt like I'm a pretty social person, and and I felt like that was lacking in graduate school. And here, I'm definitely more fulfilled in that mm.
0: in that aspect. Oh, you mentioned being social. And some of the questions that we get, or some of the statements or some of the assertions and assumptions that people have about being a junior developer and transitioning into becoming a more experienced developer is, one, I believe that it's really important for me to be showcasing my working, to be sharing my knowledge, even if it's not perfect, mm-hmm. and writing and giving conference talks and mentoring wherever I can and hosting meetups, etc., etc., You did a great talk, a great lightning talk recently. And I wonder how much, A, time you invest in doing that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. and B, what sorts of returns on that investment you've seen in your career.
1: I actually do that very little. That was like the first talk I've given in quite a while. Personally, like outside of work, I don't do that much programming. Mm -hmm. I don't really attend very many conferences. There's one meetup I go to once a month. Haskell NYC, you should come. <laughs> uh, so, of the things you mentioned, I think mentoring people is probably the most useful mm. because in trying to teach someone, even if you don't have perfect knowledge, you come to understand it better. This has, you know, been the case for me when I was teaching math. When I, you know, pair with client developers, you should approach it not as I'm the expert and I need to transfer knowledge, but like
0: I need to cement this understanding. Cement this
1: understanding and just like talk through it with the person you're trying to help. You know. Mm. Because they'll have questions and it's okay if you don't know the answers, but it's just another opportunity to, yeah, to learn together.
0: Awesome. At what point did you feel like, I'm not a junior developer anymore, I have (laughs) a I
1: still don't feel that way. You know, I feel confident in the things I've done a lot, Mm -hmm. but there's so much programming that I know nothing about that, you know, like you you talk about like operating system development or like very very efficient code to do things that like google needs to do those are things like i don't know and still like feel like i've you know not reached some some level but what's changed is i feel like i'll be able to learn it if i need to Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of the the tipping point
0: Mm. the confidence to be okay with the things you don't
1: know yeah yeah and not getting scared when you encounter them you know
0: yeah what sort of things are you doing to keep pushing yourself? Because I have heard of a lot of people who get to that point where there's almost like an accelerated learning point point, then you get to a weird plateau. And some yeah. people like stay on that plateau for yeah. a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. In my mind, there's nothing wrong with sure. that, right? Because the plateau is a place of stability and the place of like reinforcing knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm how are you dealing with being past that point of like mm-hmm. immense roller coaster rise of like oh no i don't know anything now i know everything now i don't know anything and uh-huh. now i know everything uh-huh. and then plateauing to this place which you speak of which is like actually i'm okay with not knowing everything and i could probably figure it out mm-hmm. how are you dealing with yeah. that and trying to understand what your next step is mm-hmm. going to be
1: yeah that does bother me from time to time usually it's it's kind of like what you said like it's a roller coaster and at some point i'll feel like oh my gosh i haven't like learned anything in a while like i really need to keep leveling up and usually at that point I like find something Mm -hmm. and and stick with it a bit Haskell is really good for that because I don't really get to use it on client projects but I love the language and Mm -hmm. so I'm always you know reading about it or or obviously an investment time I I spend that time Haskelling Haskelling. recently in the office here a few of us started the machine learning course on Coursera which has been good I function much better in like structured environments sort Mm -hmm. of like I like Coursera because It has deadlines and, like, you don't have to think about what you're going to learn next. Someone's already decided that for Mm. you. So it's sort of like a lower barrier to entry. Mm. Whereas if you're just like, I need to learn something, you have to, like, figure out what there is even to learn before Mm. you can start. Mm. And it's really easy to get distracted doing Mm. that.
0: So you sort of maybe plateau for a little bit, freak out a little bit, level up, plateau, freak, level.
1: I think that's about right. Okay,
0: cool, 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 cool. If you were to go back... And look at specific pivot points in your career, mm. and also look at like areas where you really messed up because i I want us to talk a little bit more about that. I think there's a myth around experienced developers that experienced developers never mess up
1: mm. do you mean in day to day like code writing or like
0: like day to day code writing, you know learning things about interpersonal relationships mm. that have have only been learned through messing that up or I'm keen to kind of know. The pivots that were crucial in moving forward but also the the times you tripped along the road mm-hmm. that were crucial in like sort of learning things about yourself and and what you're doing mm-hmm.
1: so this company is very transparent right mm-hmm. and you can look up whatever you want mm-hmm. yeah. there's there's no hidden information and when i first started i thought that was really cool but i sort of did it too much like i was constantly looking at our sales board or like what's coming in and you know what needs help and, and that kind of thing and it, it sort of would intrude upon time I should have been spent on client work. Mm. After some time, I realized not only was it stressing me out because I would, my mind was just like split between all these things, but I wasn't like t- fully committed to the mm. work I was doing. So I think like that sort of blossomed into a more general like me thinking about how I focus on work mm. and realizing, especially with programming, like it really does take. My full attention, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like splitting time, you know. People talk about flow and all those kind of things. And for me, it's pretty real. So that was like a definitely a major hiccup. And you know, that lasted like some time before I talked to somebody mm-hmm. who noticed this was happening with me. It's not something I like noticed by myself. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really great to have someone, you know, to talk to about that or p- people feel comfortable saying that kind of thing here.
0: That's really, really great. There's a lot of hype in the industry and it's really easy to get distracted by...
1: Yeah, s- news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everything, um, right? And I wonder how you manage your attention because yeah. you, you mentioned focus and it's so challenging. I mean, on both ends of the spectrum because I think for me it's probably Twitter and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like if, I'm, if I don't have my finger on the pulse, I feel mm-hmm. as though I can't ask good questions and, I, mm-hmm. and then come up with good solutions. Mm-hmm. But if I spend all my time with my fingers on the pulse... Nothing gets done, yeah so I, I wonder how you balance both hype in terms mm-hmm. of this is the latest programming language, everyone yeah. learn it, this is yeah. the latest framework, everyone learn it, and also hype around like this is a great product, everyone use it mm-hmm. like, there's just hype sure, yeah, everywhere yeah, and this is it's really it's really challenging to navigate that
1: yeah, I mean that definitely contributed to my you know initial distractions. The more I've programmed, the less I've cared about flavor of the month kind of stuff. Not because I think none of them have anything offered, but because I think the fundamentals will take you much, much farther than... That's highly quotable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, again, I was saying before, like, if you if you want a job, you know, I think frameworks are a great place to start because companies will hire for specifically that. But now that I feel comfortable as a professional developer, I'm not so concerned about that anymore. And so I can let it pass i don't know
0: Mm. well thank you very much for taking half an hour Mm -hmm. out of your day that would otherwise be full of flow (laughs) and immense focus this has been really fun and i'm looking forward to sharing this with everyone and i'm sure there will be people who will be really interested in parts of your story especially around academia and i will be sure to point them in your direction yeah please do awesome thanks